0: Keep your text open to that passage in Matthew, please. We'll come back to that in just a minute. I do, however, I want to encourage you this week to be praying for the campers. Going off to camp. Are you guys excited? All right. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I think that was John. (laughs) Uh, You may be aware... That camp is one of our most evangelistic tools. A lot of young people really focus on the gospel. And I want to applaud you guys, your your leadership in saying let's not have the phones interfere with that this week. I think that's a great idea. So put your mind on the Lord and and we'll be praying for you while you're gone that you be safe and you soak up all that gospel that will be presented. And I've been asked to come out and lead a couple of classes. I get to do that, Lord willing, tomorrow and Thursday and i don't know if you noticed the theme. did you anybody catch the theme of this year 's camp? Who are you, which just happens to be the title of this morning 's lesson: Who are you? Who are you i 'm confident that a lot of you went through the same struggle that Debbie and I did when we first had children we 've got three children, and now we've got by the grace of God, seven grandchildren but when we had our first child, Jamie, you don't know exactly what you're going to name him at some point, And then you start to say, well, what do you, what do you think? Let's, let's try this name. Oh, no. Can't use that name. Well, why not? Well, I knew somebody in high school. And, and they were a jerk. So I, every time I call them by that name, I'll think about that person in high school. Now, see, you're laughing. Why are you laughing? Because you, you know, you, you understand what I'm talking about. You can't just throw any name out there and it'd be fine because we associate character with people's names. Because we know people with names who were a certain character. And what you have to do as parents naming your children is finally settle on, finally agree on a name that even if it's not positive, it's at least neutral. You don't have any history with that name, so okay, well we'll use that one. And fortunately we, we found three names that we thought were really good. And we've enjoyed them and been glad we gave them those names ever since. But that's just the thing about names. We make a name for ourselves in this world, do we not? And Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. As he started what we now call chapter 7. He said a good name. There's nothing like it. It's valuable. My name... Is Marty. I didn't give myself that name. My mom gave me that name. I think I've told you before. If I haven't, I'm divulging something that might make you giggle. I was named after her best friend who was a woman. Okay, I set it up and you giggled. It's okay. I don't mind you giggling because I knew that my mom. This was her closest friend and she gave me a name that meant something to her about closeness and love and so I've appreciated that ever since. We spell it different. Hers was with an I, mine's with a Y. And there's a lot of guys named Marty but people are always asking me, is your real name Martin? No. My real name is Marty. (laughs) That was the name my mom gave me and I'm proud of that name. And I hope, I hope that when people hear that name they go, oh, I know him. He's a good guy. And that name will be something that sounds good to them because of what they've seen in me. But I'm the only one that can make that happen. I'm the one who gives me my name in the long run. And you're the one who gives you yours. And a good name is a valuable thing to have. And you know there are some names that people never choose. Nope. Yep. Does anybody know a girl named Jezebel? We just don't use that name very often, do we? Or Lucifer. Now, from a, from a purely aesthetic viewpoint, I think Jezebel's a pretty name. But because of who it's associated with, no. It's horrible. Lucifer, that's a beautiful name. Son of the morning is what it means, but no. Because we know who it's associated with. Adolf. No. Not too many Adolfs anymore. Because there's association there. And we live in a crazy time, don't we? When, when people can say, I identify as this or as that. I'm going to start identifying as a 185-pound, 29-year-old man. I picked 29 because that's, for me, kind of the right measure of maturity uh, as opposed to, well, what I am now. So, doesn't work, does it? You can't just say, I identify as this or as that. I have in my pocket, as many of you do, a thing called a driver's license. And I noticed, signed up to give blood today, and they said, when I come, I have to be able to show, guess what? A picture ID. I can't just walk in there and say, hey, I identify as Marty Kessler. And it's true, is it not? I am Marty Kessler. Nobody else is Marty Kessler. Who would agree to that besides me? I'm the only Marty Kessler there is. And I'm not, I don't know if I want to hear any amens or whatever, but (laughs) I don't know what that would mean. But they want a picture ID. Why? Because they want to know that it's me. They have to have some evidence that it's me. You can't just go in there and say I'm Marty Kessler and give them blood because they want to know whether or not I'm really Marty Kessler. And another cool thing about this, this license is, you, can you see that flag up in the corner? You all can see that, can't you? No, oh, of course you can't see I'm just messing with you. But up in, the, up in the upper left corner, there is a United States flag. What does that flag signify? I'm a veteran. Now, I didn't go down there and get my license and say, oh, by the way, I identify as a veteran. So would you put that flag on there? Oh, yeah, sure. Because they're so helpful and accommodative done at the DMV. And how many of you know what a DD Form 214 is? Oh, man, a bunch of hands. Yeah. You got to have one of those. Even though I was in the service, I I served for over six years in the Air Force, I can't go down and say, well, it's true. Well, we can't go on that, Mr. Kessler. You've got to have some proof that that's what you did. And when I provide that proof, okay, we'll put it on your license. Now, I take this license to places like Lowe's, and they will give me a discount. But I have to have proof. I've got to show it. How many of you are on the rolls as Native Americans? I, I can't go anywhere and just say, oh, by the way, I identify as Native American. Now I kind of am because I was born here. Doesn't that make me Native American? All these guys from Colorado going around with Native on their car. Oh, I was born in Colorado. Well, okay. But I'm not Native American. You got to show some evidence for that as well. There's got to be evidence. Jesus continually shows what I will call a dichotomy. All a dichotomy is. It's kind of a fancy word that means you're in or you're out. You're on or you're off. You're one or you're the other. A dichotomy is like the line in the middle that separates everything. And there are several passages of scripture that talk about this separation where you are one thing with Christ or you are not with Christ at all. And that's the way it works. There's no halfway. There's no on the fence. And this dichotomy is brought out in several passages. And I I had a bunch of them, but I limited it down to 47. So, yeah, uh, right, no, five. By the way, one of the ones that I had, but I I said, well, this is close. I'm not going to talk about it. It was the passage that Kirk brought up in the Lord's Supper, 2 Corinthians 5. If any man be in Christ, he is a... New creation. I was going to talk about that. And I said, well, okay, I don't have all that time. I'm going to leave that one out. And God said, no, you won't. I'm a Kirk. Kirk's going to talk about it. We're going to have that in today's worship assembly. Yeah, that's one of the lines. You're a new creature in Christ. Or you're not in Christ and you're still the old creature. There's no halfway. You can't identify as a new creation in Christ unless you are a new creation in Christ. That's just the way it is. Matthew chapter six, Jesus is here in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking about our masters. You get down to verse twenty four; that's really what he's talking about. But he started talking about that back up in verse twenty nine or nineteen, rather, when he says, "Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break through and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven." There's the dichotomy. Where are your values at? Are they in heaven? Seeking the things above, like Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3? Or are your values on the earth? Pursuing the things of the earth. Now you've got to work and make a living, of course. We know that. But when you get down to verse 24, he's talking about masters. Is the money that you make your master, Are you, or are you the master over your money? Are you the master over the wealth that you have? Or does your wealth master you? That's the question. There's a line that's drawn. And Jesus says... You either serve God or you serve the world. Which do you serve? Will you make the world your servant or will you become the servant of the world? Will you make God your master? And it's up to you. That's a great thing about all of these things. They're all up to us. God gives that to us. He gives us the right to choose, the strength to choose, the ability to choose. Nobody's without the right. Nobody's without the ability. Everybody can choose to do the things that we're talking about this morning. And every other line that Jesus draws, he draws lines where we can make the choice to be on the right side of that line. All the time. All the time. So what is it for you today? Only you can answer that. Are you serving the things of this world or are you serving God? Matthew 10, Jesus is sending out the 70 and he says this to them and by saying it to them, he he makes open this truth to us that's for all of humanity. Sending them out to preach the gospel in a limited way to the household of Israel. But he says this to them, therefore everyone who confesses me before men, This is Matthew 10 32. I will also confess him before my Father who's in heaven. But whosoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who's in heaven. Think of that opportunity to confess Christ here in the world where nothing is of lasting value. Nothing is of lasting value here. Have you seen that so far? all the brand new shiny things you can buy, as soon as you buy them, we have a a word called depreciation. That's a fancy word that means nothing less. Everything physical begins to depreciate. But with Jesus... How long lasting is to be confessed by him before his father? How eternally valuable is that? And you can see he gives us the opportunity. If you confess me before men. And I don't believe he's talking simply about the statement, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. I think he's talking about, and you can look at this yourself. You can make up your own mind about it. I think he's talking about, are you willing to live a life that confesses me before men? Are you willing to commit yourself to my ways and my teachings and my practices. If you will do this in the world, then I will confess you before my Father. Imagine that. Eventually in eternity, we will be before the throne of God, and Jesus will be there as our advocate or not. And if he is our advocate, he will confess your name. The name that my mom gave me, Jesus is going to confess to God. And all I have to do is remain faithful. Not perfect, but faithful. (sighs) Living a life that confesses Christ. Is that what we do? If that's what we do, man, we've got something good to look forward to. Because he is going to confess us before his father. Now if you're not on that side of the line, he won't confess you. And that means your soul. That's a hard thought, but it is an absolute truth. Romans chapter 6. Normally when we go to Romans chapter 6, we're talking about what it says in the early part of the chapter regarding baptism. But we're going to go down a little farther this time and talk about the the passages, uh, chapter 6, verse 16 to 19. But it's all based on this teaching of baptism and whether or not we have... Obeyed that teaching of baptism. This is what he says. Paul in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin you became the slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness resulting in further lawlessness so now present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification. Sanctification. What does that mean? Sanctification. That means set apart. That means you're not part of the world anymore. He talks about you present yourselves to sin to live in sin we've done that haven't we but now the question is will we present ourselves to Christ in obedience and if we present ourselves to him in obedience we become his slaves we become his servants i know we don't like that idea of slavery but think about being a slave in the kingdom of god what are the benefits Because even slaves had benefits under the law. You can go back and you can read about slavery under the law. We don't like the idea of slavery because what we have seen happen to it, not just in this country, but abroad. By the way, America was not the first country to practice slavery. Are you aware of that? We were the first one to fight a war to obliterate it, as the scourge it was, under those circumstances. But you go back in the Old Covenant you read about slavery because slavery is included in the Old Covenant. If you were down and out, you had nowhere to go, nowhere to turn, you could offer to sell yourself to someone as a slave. And if they took you on as a slave, well then you had work to do. They would feed you. They would house you. You would be with a group of people who would protect you and take care of you because slaves were valuable. And after seven years, you know what had to happen? Your master had to turn you loose and on top of that, give you a grub stake so you could start out for yourself. They didn't have any welfare back then. You couldn't go to some government office and sign up to get money because you don't have a job. That's what slavery was all about. It was a pretty good deal if you had nothing. So you could work for seven years, learn a skill, learn a trade, whatever that might be, and then you could be turned loose with a grub stake of your own. And you could, if you wanted to, say, Well, I like my master. This is a good gig. I'm staying here. He could take you to the door of his house and pierce your ear with an awl and you would remain his servant. Who would do that? Somebody who knew they had it good. And that's who we should be in Christ. We should be people who know we've got it good. All of that was pointing us towards today when we are faced with the privilege, the decision, whether or not we will be servants of Christ or servants of sin. It's gonna be one or the other. You can't say, well, I'm not going to do either one of those. No, you're going to do one or the other. That's just the way it works all the time. Jesus has drawn the line and we make our choice because we can make our choice. This is another choice you get to make to serve him through obedience or to serve sin. Matthew chapter 25. This one comes with a song and I just about called Harold to say, Harold, would you sing this song but, Harold, I don't know. Do you know the song, I Don't Want to Be a Goat? What's that? I Don't Want to Be a Goat. Do you know that song? You ever heard of it? I've been a goat, he, he said he's been called a goat, but he doesn't know that song. <laughs> there's, there's a song. It's, it's a cool song. Uh, I Don't Want to Be a Goat. Nope. I Don't Want to Be a Goat. Nope. Always living with it, living without hope. Nope. I Don't Want to Be a Goat. No. There's more to it than that, but that's, that's the gist of the song. I want to be a sheep. Yeah, that's the way the song goes because you're either one of the Lord's sheep or you're one of the goats. And that's what he's talking about in Matthew chapter 25. He pictures here for us the great judgment scene when everyone in the world will come before his father. This is chapter 25 of Matthew verse 31. When the son of man... Comes in His glory. By the way, Son of Man, we were talking about that in class this morning in our Gospel of John class. Go back to Daniel chapter 7. Not right now, uh, but later during lunch. Pull out your Bible and read about... Did I say Matthew 7? Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. And read about Daniel's vision where he said he saw in his vision one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven before the Ancient of Days. And he was given glory and a dominion and kingdom. That's what the Son of Man was given in Daniel's vision. And here we have Jesus talking about Himself as the Son of Man, the Son of God. And He says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before Him. All the nations will be gathered before Him. And He will separate them from one another. As the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats... And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And if you ever worry about whether or not he knows who you are, go to John chapter 10 and read what he says about his sheep. My sheep know me and I know them by name. And I call my sheep and they come out and they follow me. That's what Jesus says. You're not going to be overlooked if you're one of his sheep. But you have to be one of his sheep. You can't say on the day of judgment, oh, oh, I identify as one of Jesus' sheep. Nope. You are or you are not. I always, I think about Yoda, a fictional character. There is no try, do or do not. That's a pretty good statement, don't you think? From a weird little green guy. I I always like because, you know, this is, he had that stick and he'd walk like this, he'd walk like this everywhere he went. And then when the bad guys show up, he pulls out his lightsaber and he's flying around, jumping and fighting. And then when the battle's over, gets his stick out. He's walking around like this. It's fun to watch, just a little strange. But this is Jesus talking about the last day, the final day, when all the nations are brought before the throne of God. And this is what happens. The king will say to those on his right, the sheep, "'Come, you who are blessed of my Father, "'inherit the kingdom prepared for you "'from the foundation of the world.'" Why? Why would you do that? Why would you say that to them? It says, "'For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. "'I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink.'" I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Are these the kinds of things you and I are doing? Are we making a difference in the lives of people who are struggling and needing help? This is a tough text. Because he's not asking, how many, how many worship assemblies have you attended? Now, I'm not knocking worship assemblies. I'm the last guy in the world to say, hey, don't, don't make worship a priority. He doesn't ask about Lord's suppers. He's asking about how have we responded to our fellow human beings who were in need. That's what he's asking on this last day. Here's where he's drawing the line. And they say, when did we see you naked? and they asked, When did we see you and what did he say? He said, in as much as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And then he goes to the goats and he says to them, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Isn't that interesting? The eternal lake of fire we call hell was not prepared for human beings. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But if you choose not to be with God, that's the only place there is. And I know people say, oh, God doesn't send you to hell. Well, listen, I don't know how to get there. But God knows how to put us there if that's what we deserve and what we belong or where we belong. He does send people to hell because that's the just judgment. And this is where we read about it. He's saying to them, depart from me. Now there's a sense in which he doesn't send us because you can make the choice today. As other passages say, today is the day of salvation. You can choose to be a sheep. You can choose to follow Jesus Christ as your savior and your shepherd. You can choose to to not follow the things of this world, but to make the kingdom of God your priority. You can choose all of that. And if you choose all that, we'll see the last dichotomy the last thing that there is and this is from Revelation chapter 21. You're either a sheep or a goat and according to Revelation 21 your name is either in the book of life or it is not in the book of life. This is John getting this revelation about the new Jerusalem come down from God out of heaven and he's describing what it's like. And he says in verse 24, let's start there. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed. Wouldn't that make a great song, There Is No Night There? Hmm. And they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean. And no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. But only those, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, how do you get your name written in the Lamb's book of life? By doing all the things we've been talking about. You put your trust in Jesus Christ. You let someone receive your confession that he is the son of God. You let someone lower you into the waters of baptism. Because there's another dichotomy from Galatians chapter 3. If you look at Galatians chapter 3, you see that we either put Christ on or we don't. And that's what he was writing to the churches of Galatia about. He says this. So verse 24, Galatians 3, Therefore the laws become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's language. If you've been baptized into Christ, you have clothed yourselves with Christ. And guess where your name goes when you clothe yourselves with Christ? goes in the Lamb's book of life because He is the Lamb. He is the Passover. He is the one who died for us and whose blood cleanses us. And when you are baptized into Christ, clothing yourself with Christ, your name goes in the book of life. And then it also says here, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Don't you know in the first century that was a big deal to identify as either a Jew or a Greek? There's neither slave nor free man. There's neither male nor female. You can't identify as one or the other in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants. I'm not Jewish. Are you Jewish? Might be some Jewish people in here, but most of us, I think, are Gentiles. But what Paul is saying to this church, these churches in Galatia is you clothe yourselves with Christ, you become a child of Abraham by faith. It's all about the spiritual identity, not about the physical identity. Everything that's physical is going to pass away, but it's the spiritual that will last. What side will you be on? Going to be a sheep? Going to be a goat? Going to be a slave to righteousness or a slave to sin and disobedience? What will your choice be today? We're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement. And I'm hoping that if you have not already made the choice, that you will make the choice today so that you don't have to simply say, I identify, but God Himself will identify you as one of His. Let's stand and sing the song of encouragement and invitation.